in honor of the word of God as I read Colossians 1, 3 through 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We're continuing our study of Colossians, the church at Colossae, written as a letter by the Apostle Paul, and Paul says from Timothy also. We looked at originally the different people involved at the church there and how the church got started, and now we're continuing with this prayer of thanksgiving to God for three things, faith, love, and hope. So we want to look at these three pillars in the Christian life, and we want to think of them with thanksgiving. Are you all thankful for faith, love, and hope in your life? Amen, I am. We want to look at the source of this faith, hope and love. We want to look at faith, hope, and love to, you know, separately and what they involve in our life. And we want to bring that together as uh, with hope that's laid up for us in heaven above. Let's begin. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God. And then he explains who he's being thankful uh, for in God, defining God basically here by saying the Father, who is God? He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You might remember that in the Old Testament, they would say, God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the fulfillment of all those promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are fulfilled in Jesus. So the Apostle Paul is thanking God and identifying him as God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see that? that glorious defining of who God is, what did God do, how did he fulfill all of his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the God that I am thanking. Not just any God, this God. The God who is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying. They pray for this church all the time, and they are always praying for them. And when they pray, they pray with thanksgiving. We always thank God. So the Apostle Paul knows who is the source so we want to look at that. The source is God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the source that 
the Apostle Paul is giving thanksgiving to. Uh, Sam Storms in his book that we're reading in the men's Bible study, he gives this example. You thank the person who gives you the gift. So he gives this an example of that his son and daughter-in-law come and they bring him this gift and he opens it, but his wife and sister, who he loves very much, are right there with him and they're gathered around as he opens this present and it's a real nice sweater vest from his college alma mater. And he loves this gift and he's very thankful for this gift and what he does is he pours out thanksgiving on his son and daughter-in-law for this thoughtful gift. Now Sam, at the same time, is very close to his wife and his sister, and they're there too, but he doesn't receive this gift and then turn to them and say, thank you, beautiful wife, thank you. He thanks the person to whom has thought of this gift, who has given this gift, who is the source of this gift, who has sacrificed their finances, time to go get this gift. That's who the thanksgiving is, goes towards. This example is in prayer, who we give thanks to is God. Paul realizes who the source is for what every good thing is happening to this church. The source is God. This is where these good things are happening. Paul's offer of his prayer of thanksgiving is to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because God is the source and giver of everything good that these Christians have at this, in this church. And that is very important in our prayer life. It's very important just to acknowledge our thanksgiving is to God. Now, he goes on and says that he's thankful for this faith in Christ that they have. This faith is a, a, a gift from God. Uh, the love that they have for God's people is a gift from God. He's thanking and giving thanks to God who's given them these things. And then he says, also this hope he has given them, this heavenly hope is a gift from God. He's giving thanks to God for these good things that the church has. And he lists them as these three pillars. And Paul uses these three pillars a lot. And a lot of times we might think of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter where he says, uh, now abide faith, hope and love but the greatest of these is love love never ends love never dies but here you notice the order is is different uh, he mentions faith love and he uses hope as this anchor so we want to look at the order that he's given these in and we want to look at faith first he and, and we, we see that god is the source we might think of james 1 17 i love this scripture every good and perfect gift is from above every gift Every good and perfect, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything good comes from above. It doesn't come from in here, like this, earthly. It comes, everything good always comes from God. It comes from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow, shadow due to change. God's constantly good, and he's constantly above bringing good things into our life. So God is this source for all the good things. This is why the Apostle Paul is thanking of him, these things that come from above. Colossians is going to go on to say in Colossians 3, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above. You get that? Why? Why is he going to go to that focus? Because that's where all of good comes from, comes from above. 
this is theology throughout the Bible. It's theology of Jesus to Nicodemus. Uh, you must be born, and we, we use the word born again, but that word also is born from above. So you've got to be born from the good that comes down from above. And then Jesus says, he's come from above. He's explaining to Nicodemus, the good gift has come down from above. I am that good gift, and I've come down from above. You don't know what you're talking about down here. Something has to come down from above, he's explaining to Nicodemus, from heaven above. And I've come down from heaven. See, I'm this good gift. So good things come from above and they come from God and God is that source and that first enactment of what he says that he's heard as he goes into this next verse verse 4 he says since we heard of your faith so this gift of faith that we have to believe this gift of faith is is as far as I know almost always first in the list of these three and here it is faith love and hope and he mentions faith first. It's that believing, believing in God. And he specifically says what faith, because a lot of people will say, I have faith. It's like they'll say, I believe in God, like in that first verse. But is it the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because there's a lot of people that believe in God. But do they believe in the God of our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then here it's the same way. Is it faith? Just faith? I have faith. I love faith. I'm a person of faith. But specifically, Paul is using these words right after faith. I have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul's favorite term for what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, to have believed on the gospel, to have repented of your sins, and to trust it in Jesus as your Savior. It's these two words, in uses them over and over again and and so this is what he says here since we heard of your faith in christ jesus faith comes first faith is the gift uh, from god that opens the door to all the blessings we receive from god you it opens the door when you believe when you first believe the hour that you first believed you remember that opened your eyes and opened your doors to the a whole nother world from above it, it opens your wor world to that world of faith. And that word of faith that you believed in is in Christ. It's being in Christ. And it's so that is the object of our faith. So when a person says, I'm a person of faith, faith in what? This is very important. It's not just being a person who believes things, but belief in what? What is your faith in? The Apostle Paul says your faith is in Christ Jesus. The object of your faith is very important. The biblical importance of faith, when it talks about faith, is the object of your faith. What is your faith in? Do you have faith? Great. Faith in what? The Apostle Paul is saying he has heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. The object of our Christian faith is in Christ Jesus. Christian faith is in the person of Jesus Christ and in his work. Now, the, the following verse, I'm going to leap ahead to the end of verse 5. Colossians 1, 5, the second half of it says, Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. 
So this, the word of the truth, the gospel, is where their faith lies. Their faith lies in Christ Jesus, in the word of the truth, the gospel. And the gospel is this good news story of the person of Jesus. Their faith is in Christ Jesus, but it is in the work of Christ Jesus, like what he accomplished. And the apostle Paul is saying he has heard of their faith in Christ Jesus, the person and work of Jesus, that they've heard this word of the truth, this word of the gospel. So this gospel is this word that we use, and as Grace Harvest Church, we, we call ourselves gospel-centered. That means this is the central core message of what we preach, teach, sing, praise, pray about is the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus and what he accomplished, that gospel-centeredness. Everything else is peripheral to that central core message of the the life of Jesus, the perfect atoning life. When we sang the song, the first opening song, sometimes we read it together, that gospel announcement. Sometimes we sing the gospel song, and it talks about the perfect life of Jesus, his atoning death, and his burial, and his resurrection. And it goes on and explains his ascension, glorious, and new creation that is to come. But at the core of the gospel is Jesus and his specific work of his perfect life, his atoning death, and his powerful resurrection from the dead. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that Paul is saying they're in. They're in Christ Jesus. They are in this word of the truth, the gospel. They are inside of the death and resurrection of Jesus. They are in it, immersed in it. Uh, Micah read from Bray from 1 Peter 1, which is really beautiful, that opening hope that's in heaven in Jesus reserved for us. And in 1 Peter 2, the next chapter, it explains Jesus' perfect life. In verse, 1 Peter 2.22, it says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Man, I just love that. Not even in his words, not even the slightest deceit. Not the slightest lie, not the exaggeration or diminishing of the truth in any way, just the perfect Son of God. We needed the perfect Lamb of God. We needed His perfect life. Peter just praises that uh, prophecy from Isaiah 53, that He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. Jesus is the good and perfect gift from God above, and he alone has come down from above. No one else, other people, Buddhas and Mohammeds and Hare Krishnas and anybody else you want to care to mention has been just born here. They're not from above. They're just born here. They're other normal men. Jesus came down from above. This is what he's telling Nicodemus. I alone have come down from heaven, and only what comes down from heaven can truly bring you life and really teach you what is up there because I have been there. I lived there. I've come down to bring you this good gift of news in myself and see jesus is unique in that way jesus is that perfect gift from god above he was sent from the father above and he alone can save and there is salvation in no other name but jesus that's just the truth that is the word of truth that is part of the gospel he alone committed no no sin and was deceit not found in his mouth no one else even admits to that of these other 
uh, false gods. Jesus claims that, and it is true. He lived that. He fulfilled that word in his perfect life. And then the gospel is, is that he died according to the scripture. Jesus died upon the cross as the perfect lamb of God to bear our sins and to take them away. His death was atoning. It was the atoning death. It was for us. It met the needs that we had to, to, in our sin to be made righteous. It atoned for us. It was the payment for our sins, and it had the power to restore our relationship to God, and it is the cure for all of our ills in this world. We look, as we sing, towards the cross. We look towards his atoning death and what it accomplished. And that joy of our salvation is new every morning. It'll never grow old. We'll sing of the praises of it for thousands upon tens of thousands of years of what Christ did as we're living and enjoying heaven forever because of what he accomplished in his atoning death. So the cross is the focus. He says, you are in this. You are in Christ Jesus. This is who you're in. This is the people you are, Colossians. And he's just praising them for this word of truth, the gospel, that is they've, they've heard of and received. Colossians 1, 22, 21 through 23 is going to talk about this perfect death. He says, you were once alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds, but he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. You hear that word of truth in the gospel? That they're in his death, they're in Christ, that this is how he's reconciled us in his body of flesh, by his death. And how, here's how it atones for you. In order to present you holy and blameless, above reproach. Can you believe it presents you above reproach? Man, I still sometimes think, oh, I got some reproach, I'm not above reproach. But in Jesus, this is how you are. The Apostle Paul, this is how powerful the gospel is, that you are in Christ Jesus. This is the faith you have in Christ. You're like, I don't quite have that yet. You do. You just need to know of it. You need to hear it preached. You need to hear it drilled down deeper and deeper into your heart until you say, I'm holy and blameless before God above reproach in Christ Jesus. You're going to receive this word. This is what we need. We need the centrality of the gospel preached into our heart and drilled deeper and deeper and our roots to grow deeper. Wow. In Christ, in his death, by his death, I'm presented holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Indeed, if you continue in the faith, stable, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Do you hear that? You don't get off the gospel. You don't get off the hope of the gospel. You don't shift from it. The gospel, as I've quoted here several times, Tim Keller says, is not the ABCs of the Christian life. It is the A to Z. See, you never shift from it. It's the A to Z of the Christian life. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Colossians. You don't need to shift from this faith. Your faith is in Christ Jesus, and that is everything. There is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Don't ever shift from the hope of this gospel that you heard, which is proclaimed uh, under heaven, and I, Paul, became a minister of. That's what Paul is. He's ministering the gospel to these Colossians, and he's saying, I've heard of your faith. What does it mean to hear? To hear of faith. Uh, it's interesting that you can hear faith because you can see faith in action, and that's why he uses love next. Uh, 
the gospel is this gospel of love. It's not just in his death either. The gospel is his powerful resurrection. It's hard to skip that. Or even in his, his burial. So it's not just in his death. I get so excited about the cross, I'm ready to move on to my next point. But the gospel includes his burial. See, Colossians 2 is going to say, having been buried with him in baptism, we have to understand the gospel is Jesus was truly dead. He was truly buried. He truly laid there three days in the tomb, dead, buried. That's important because in our baptism, we are buried with him into his death. That means we go down, we're plunged down underneath, we're buried, we truly die to our old self, and then we're raised to new life. And this resurrection life is something that is a part of the gospel. And Colossians 2.12 goes on to say, who are also raised with him through faith. So that, that's what you're in Christ in. You're in the gospel of his death, burial, and resurrection. So our object of faith, it's just not, oh, we're a people of faith. Yeah, I have faith, you have faith. Our object of faith is that we are in Christ. That's how Paul defines it. I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. He is the object of our faith, his perfect life, atoning death on the cross, and the powerful working of God that raised him from the dead is what you are in. It is good news. And so this faith comes, and it's birthed out of uh, actions in our life. It, it produces actions of love. So in Colossians 1.4, Paul says, not only has he heard of your faith in Christ, but he's heard of the love that you have for all the saints. Now, the saints here, uh, we were talking and we had some, you know, Catholics and Bible study and things like that, and they were thinking like, love for the saints, like Mother Teresa, St. Catherine, or St. Francis of Assisi, or, you know, that's the image that people have of saints. But what Paul is saying here is saints are other believers, the members of the church at Colossi. They have love for one another. They have a, a unique love for one another that he's heard of. So our faith in Christ and in his gospel, in his death, burial, and resurrection, according to the scriptures, Jesus being the object of our faith is that we also have died and been buried with Christ. We identify with his death. We're raised up and, and to new life and we love. So faith and love Paul hears of their faith and love are visible and vocal virtues. Think of faith. Just keep your faith to yourself. You know, keep it like, it, and faith can't be. Faith is, is visual. It's, it can be seen and it, is, and it can be verbalized. Okay? Faith and love are visible and vocal virtues. Paul has heard of the Colossians' faith in Christ and their love for all the saints. Do you hear that? Faith changes how you live, and it's noticeable in how you love, how you speak, how you talk, everything. It's, it's visible and vocal. This is powerful. Like the faith Paul sees that they have, he says he's, he's heard of their faith. There's something that's happened. It's not just a mental ascent. So these people just like agreed and went on about their life. Something has happened. Something has changed in their life. There's been this transforming power that their faith has done, and it's caused them to love one another in unique ways that are visible 
and vocal. Faith changes how one lives, loves, talks, and relates to others, especially to those of the household of the faith. And that's what the loving the saints are. It's the household of faith. And that's not only who we love, but it is the, the love that the outward community can see when the body of Christ is loving one another. This is what we read from John 13. By this, all will know that you're my disciples and that you have love for one another. This is visible. This love is visible. And what we see, we bear up one another burdens. Galatians 6.10 says, uh, uh, yes, he, he says, we have opportunity. Let us do good to everyone. So our love goes out to everyone doing good. But it says, especially to those who are the household of, of the faith. So one another, uh, scriptures and how we love. Faith can be heard by the acts of love we do by doing good to others, especially for the saints. Paul can see it. He sees and he hears about this church family at Colossae and how they're loving one another. Paul later on is going to say in Colossians 3, that you must put certain things away. There's this transformation with their faith, and it, and it moves into love. And their love is changed by their uh, vocal things, too, their mouths. It said, putting away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. All of these can do with verbal things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, they all have to do with words, mouth. And then he just kind of sums it up there, and he says, obscene talk from your mouth. Put all these away. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, being renewed in the knowledge at the image of his creator. You see that faith in Christ has changed them. He's heard about it. They're not slandering, malice, obscene talk. He's heard about. Faith can be heard, and it's echoed through the way we love. And the way we love is we do not lie, we do not deceive, we do not have obscene talk. Love can be heard and seen, both. Colossians 3 is going to go on in 12 and 14. Put on, as God chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. This is love, kindness, humility. These are acts of, of these things. You're, and then in verse 13, he says, bearing with one another. This is how Paul's heard about this. It's not just a... Oh, did they have faith? He's heard about their love for the saints. They're bearing with one another. He's heard about that. He's heard some stories. We, we might we'll read pretty soon about Epaphras. He's telling them. He's from there. He's telling them about how they love one another. He's bringing back stories how they've changed. Paul's heard about it. And from others, too, from that area. He's heard about the change, the transforming power of having faith in Christ and about how they love one another, how they bear up with one another your faith can be seen and heard you're bearing with one another and if you have a complaint you're forgiving each other just as the lord has forgiven you you also must, he's heard about their forgiveness towards one another he's heard about their love for all the saints above all this he says in verse 14 of colossians 3 put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony you guys are living in harmony i've heard about it that can be seen living in harmony can be seen and heard it will be talked about it will be talked about uh, through the way that you talk to one another the way you bear up the way you forgive seen and heard faith heard in our mouths 
No, no longer speaking angry, wrathful, malice, slanderous, obscene words, but speaking words that in the abundance of our new heart in Christ overflow with words of encouragement and edification. We in Christ now speak kind, humble, from our kind, humble, changed, transformed hearts, meek, patient, forgiving words, bearing up with one another. See, it's going to take some bearing up, not only you with others, but others are going to bear up for you too. Don't think you're the only one bearing up. They're bearing you up too. And me up for sure. Our faith can be heard. It echoes and it reverberates around Christ and his love for us and our love that we demonstrate towards others. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And Paul anchors this in with hope. Hope is this final thing that, that the apostle Paul lists here. Hebrews 6 talks about hope being the anchor of our soul, and it's this last anchor that Paul brings in, and he says in Colossians 1.5, you have all this because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. It's the final part of the, the passage that we read this morning. So we have faith in Christ Jesus, we have love for all the saints, and he says it's because of this hope laid up for you in heaven. Does everything that motivate your life is because of the hope laid up for you in heaven? Like, do you have faith because of the hope laid up, laid up for you in heaven? Do you have love because of the faith, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven? Uh, because Paul says that's what is the motivation for their faith and love, because they have a hope laid up for them in heaven. You see, hope changes everything about how you do everything. Hope, um, Sam Storms again in the book that we're reading says, hope is the fountain of faith and love. Oh, hope is the fountain of faith and love. Hope is the foundation from which faith and love spring forth. hope laid up for you in heaven springs forth faith in Christ Jesus, complete trust in him alone and a love for all of God's people, and a love for everyone and a love especially for the household of the faith, the saints hope is this fountain that springs forth and it's something laid up in heaven for you and what's laid up for heaven in you, Micah Bray read very clearly from 1 Peter one is Jesus. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is laid up in heaven for you. And when you look towards that hope, that's me in the future with Jesus, with my resurrection, resurrected body, just like him. That's my hope. I can now give up everything in this life and receive that hope from above, and I can have faith in him now changes my now and I can love you now and I can sacrifice now and I can bear with one another now and I can I can love now with a kind heart because I know this is temporary it, it's a genuine testing like Micah read from first Peter 1 3 through 7 it's a temporary testing of the the genuineness of my faith that will be tried like gold and that faith and love are temporary it's that hope that P. 
Peter mentions there, First Peter 1, that's why we do it. All the way through, Paul's talking about hope. That hope is this future thing that's laid up in heaven for us, but it's so real, it's an anchor for why we do everything we do now. It is the fountain for our faith and love, so we have a great hope. In Colossians 3, it says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. This is our hope. Our hope is above where Christ is. Some people say, and Sam Storms brought this out in his book, that that quote that says, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But it's just the opposite. The Bible says that we need to be more heavenly minded. That if our mind is set on that hope, it will change everything about how we have faith in Christ and how we love others. That hope and heavenly mindedness changes and the Apostle Paul goes on to set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. The, the, the very you know, opposite of that quote is true. The reason why we're no earthly good is because we're not heavenly minded. Our hope isn't in heaven. Our hope is in the now, in the temporary, and we're frustrated with things down here rather than realizing I have faith in Christ Jesus who is seated above. My hope is in him. My hope is in heaven then when I turn to look at my brothers and sisters in the now, it changes everything about the fountain flows and springs forth life to, to bring faith and love to others. I love this example as I close of, of Frodo in the Lord of the Rings when he's in one of his very, very darkest places and Sam is even uh, he's told him to leave. He doesn't trust him. And he's in this darkest place, lured there by Gollum and into this dark Shelob's uh, spidery cave to die and be trapped in his web in this ultimate darkness. But Galadriel has given him this little file, this little container of this light from their brightest star. And, 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 and she, she says this, and she gives it to him, and he remembers it in his words when he's confronted in the darkest time of his life. To use it. It will shine still brighter when night is about you. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. And he hears those words, and he reaches, and he pulls it out. And he fights that final battle of in darkness against that enemy because that light of hope springs forth new faith, new desire to love. He's restored uh, with Sam and his love towards him realizes that he is his true friend and this hope is like that light. It is that fountain that brings forth our faith in Christ, springs it forth and continues to be an endless source of springing forth love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and even unto love of our enemies. Amen? So, Sam Storm says this in his close, do you find faith resident in your heart? Do you? I find faith resident in my heart today. 
find it here. Do you find faith resident in your heart? Are you at this moment believing in Jesus and trusting in him for life and breath and all things? I am. Every good gift flows from him. I'm trusting in him. Do you feel deep abiding affection for the people of God? Yeah, where does that come from? I love you guys. I love you. And you think, well, Bobby, it's because you're a loving person. And that's not true. That love comes from my faith in him. It springs forth from the hope that I have in Jesus. I only love because he first loved me. That's where that springs forth. Do you feel a deep and abiding affection for the people of God? Yes. Do you delight in showing compassion and generosity to those in the body of Christ? I do. If so, don't reach around to pat yourself on the back. Good job, Bobby. Keep doing it. Or you, but rather extend your hands towards heaven and say what we started this sermon with. We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, always. And we pray for you. So this is what we do. We extend our hands toward heaven and say, thanks, God. Amen? Amen. As we close, we like to celebrate the Lord's Supper with one another, and we like to feast on the gospel. We like to feast on the death of Jesus, this powerful gift of his body by his death, his sacrifice on the cross, by his shed blood, we are forgiven of our sins. So we'd like for you to come, receive one of these, and return to your seat, and we'll partake together. Please come. Dear believer in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father. Jesus began that prayer with thanksgiving. Who to? The Father. He said, thank you, Father, for this bread. And we know that Jesus, his body, was this bread. Let us partake together of it, the body of our Lord Jesus given for us. Let's partake together.
thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, that it was by his death, by the death of your Son, his body broken for us, that we have our salvation. Thank you, Father, for that good gift that came down from above. In like manner, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood given for you for the remission of sins. Take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my death until I come. We remember your death, Jesus. Let us partake together. Thank you. Heavenly Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, you so loved the world that you just demonstrated your love in action when you gave. You gave your only begotten Son. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you so much for going all the way to the cross and giving your life and shedding your blood for sinners such as us. Thank you for your redeeming power in your blood. Thank you for your saving grace in our life. Anoint our hearts now to give you praise, Jesus, and to make much of you as you alone are worthy of our praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us sing.
blessing. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're blessed with faith in Christ. You're blessed with faith for and love for everyone, especially the household of the faith. And you're blessed with a hope laid up for you in heaven. Lord, send us out with those blessings to be a light in this dark world, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Love one another.